Do you like free stuff? I do. BlueprintMCAT.com. Go sign up for a free account. Get access to Blueprint MCAT's Diagnostic, Blueprint MCAT's Full Length One, Blueprint MCAT's amazing brand new space repetition platform with over 1,600 flashcards already made for you, as well as their amazing study planner tool. Schedule out the content so you know if you are on track to take the MCAT when you need to. Again, that's blueprintmcat.com for all of those free goodies. The MCAT Podcast, session number 301. A collaboration between the medical school headquarters and Blueprint MCAT. The MCAT Podcast is free MCAT prep to help you understand the MCAT, teach you how to break down questions, and give you the skills and confidence to get the score you want on your MCAT test day. Learn more about Blueprint MCAT at blueprintprep.com slash MCAT. Welcome to the MCAT Podcast. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, your host here every week, where I get to have amazing conversations with members of the Blueprint MCAT Live Online team. We have a great conversation with Nicole today, looking at MCAT data. Something I don't think a lot of people really understand how to really understand how to look at this data, right? If if the average MCAT for matriculants is a 511.9 for MCAS, well, what does that mean? What does the standard deviation mean? How do we how do we look at that? And what should we take away from that? What does that mean for us? This is a great episode. Don't forget to check out blueprintmcat.com. Sign up for their free account where you get a half-length diagnostic, a free full length, and an amazing study planner tool, as well as many, many other great things, all for free at blueprintmcat.com. Nicole, welcome back to the MCAT podcast. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing good. Excited to be back. We have uh, been covering kind of a, uh-oh, I didn't get the score I wanted series here on the MCAT podcast. We've covered, I think, all of the sections. And now I want to do a kind of deep dive into some of the numbers because I don't know about you, but I think a lot of students go in with unrealistic, not necessarily expectations, but unrealistic ideas of the scores they think they have to have to get into medical school. Yeah, I totally agree. I think there can be a lot of pressure from peers or things, you know, you might hear at like from other students, right? In like a pre-med club or even from your advisor in terms of like, if you don't get this specific number or higher that you're not going to get into medical school. And actually there's a lot more to the story um, I always talk to students and they're like, what, like, what score should I shoot for? <laughs> um, it all depends on their goals. Um, yeah. I will never, ever give a student number because it's going to be different. Oh, I give them a number. I give them a number. 528. <laughs> <laughs> the, the score you're shooting for yes. is a 528. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So you should always, always be trying to do the best you can. Right. But the question of, is that going to get me into medical school is actually a really nuanced discussion. Yeah. So. Let's let's talk for a second because I think exactly right, right? Uh, I I know because students reached out to me and said, "Hey, Doctor Gray, like, what's going on with this pre health advising office here?" Um, mm-hmm. and, and not to throw all pre health advisors under the bus, there are fantastic mm-hmm. ones out there, but there's one school out there uh, where they require if you want a committee letter from them, they require a five fourteen MCAT score. Yeah. 
And I'm just like, mm, <laughs> no, like, no, <laughs> why? Yeah. Uh, 514 yeah, is no. a fantastic score and you don't need that to get into medical school. Yeah, a hundred percent. And it's, you know, there, there's a lot of pre-health offices out there that do provide great assistance, great advice to students, but there's also, right, the interests of the schools and the pressure of undergraduate admissions, right? So yeah. if the only, if a school says, I am only going to give my stamp of approval, give a committee letter to those applicants who have a 514 and above, and then they can say, 75% of our students who apply to medical school get accepted on the first try, right? So there's all sorts of competing priorities here, yeah. right? Of your, of your pre-health office probably is under pressures from admissions to an extent, right? It's going to differ from, univer- from university to university, from office to office. But this is a very real thing that happens, right? Is pre-health offices are sometimes going to be really picky, um, about the candidates they endorse. I had just a month ago myself, I'm going to be applying in the upcoming cycle. And for my school's committee letter process, I essentially had to like write them a whole application as to why they want to, why they should give me a committee letter. And so they said that for students that might have potentially come to pre-med in non-traditional ways or who maybe you struggled at some point earlier on in your journey, um, that it can be hard to get approved for those things that you are told, oh, you need this in order to apply. Yeah. Yeah. I love just uh, we've seen uh, as we're recording this, it's the beginning of February 2023. Uh, we are hopefully seeing the the end of uh, probably uh, not the end of U.S. News and World Report's med school rankings list, but. I'm hoping the end of school participating in mm. this list, right? The U.S. Yes. News and World Report. They're dropping will, like flies. <laughs> yes. I, I, I think U.S. News and World Reports will continue to make a list based on whatever mm. data they can find publicly. The med schools are just going to stop participating. Hopefully. Mm-hmm. We've seen a bunch of, I think, nine or ten of the top 20 so far. Um, if you go and see this list uh, out there and you see a school on that list, go and pressure that school. Like, hey, why are you still participating in this list? Um, yeah. and, and exactly what you said, right? There are perverse, if that's the right word, perverse um, reasons for schools to want to not screen secondaries, number one, monetary reasons, right? Mm-hmm. But number two, if they have more secondaries submitted, verified secondaries that are coming in, and they have a small class size. Well, hey, look, we rejected a lot more people. And that's exactly. one of the metrics on the U.S. News and World Reports is how competitive are you as a school? Meaning like if your acceptance rate is lower than everyone else's, we like you more and we're going to rank you higher. I'm like, that's just stupid. <laughs> like, exactly. And yeah. so- it, promotes, uh, it promotes, right, that if inherently if there is a scoring system then you can play to that system, right? And if it's something that students care about, these schools are going to want to participate. So I, I, yeah, I've been really yeah. excited to see this movement away from rankings. Um, so I think when, and at least from the times that I've heard actual, you know, deans of admission, whether it be on this podcast or other podcasts or at school information sessions, um, right? What a lot of the schools like to talk about is mission fit and right and is what their mission, their goal as a school, as an institution, as a hospital system is. And I think it's the all these schools pulling out of the rankings 
feels like uh, kind of like making good, as you will, and say, okay, here's what we actually care about. And we're showing you this by saying, hey, like, we're not interested in playing this game. Like, we understand who we are. We understand what kind of students we're looking for. And that if you are actually interested in our mission and would be a good fit that you're going to find us. Yeah. I mean, of course, it is a lot of the top schools that have pulled <laughs> out. So, right, nobody's going to not know that Harvard exists. Exactly. Um, so, you know, there's certainly more to that discussion and, you know, yeah. optics for them as well. But it's a very, I think it's a very interesting time yeah. um, to be watching kind of what the med schools are doing and how they are aiming to portray themselves. It's been very interesting for me. Yeah, and that's a little sidebar conversation based on what you said about the undergraduate institutions setting yes. up these systems that are in place to go, mm -hmm. we have pressure from our bosses that we want to promote on our website to say, hey, if you're a pre-med, come to our institution. 90% of our students get into med school. I'm like, well, where's the asterisk that says 90% of the students that our office worked with and another asterisk that says our office only works with 4.0520 students, right? And so every system is is set up uh, to succeed based on the measurements that it wants to, to succeed in, right? Exactly. So mm -hmm. that is a very long kind of prelude into this conversation, <laughs> looking into this data. So we have some, some double AMC data, some, uh, uh, a Comus data and some TMDSAS data to look at, like what are the average MCAT scores that are happening nowadays so that we can understand potentially what's going on out in the world. So with that, let's go ahead and take a look. Uh, we'll start with the AAMC data here and look at the average, um, and this is mean data. And I'm not sure, I, I guess, I'm always a little confused why the MSAR, which is also AAMC, mm. uses median data <laughs> But these facts tables, which these are all available on AMC, go go find them. They they provide a lot of great data. Um, use mean, and so I'm like, okay, students just have to understand this is mean. This is normal kind of mathematical average um, to to display this information. So one big caveat right off the bat, right, is this is historical data. We can't use this data and go, okay, my score is this then these are my chances, right? This, this is not a what are my chances discussion. This is just looking at historical data. And and I, I brought this up recently with a TikTok account um, who, mm. who I, I love the person, but <laughs> she, she made a TikTok at, at one of the tables, the GPA and MCAT tables of like, if your GPA is this and your MCAT is this, then 56% of these people got in. And she mm -hmm. led the conversation with your chances of getting in are 56%. And I'm like, yeah. no, no. And it, yeah. It, and that's, you know, it, it's really easy to say that, right? Because it's yeah. like, it's tempting to make that conclusion, right? But there's a reason why pre-health, by most schools require permits to take statistics. Right? <laughs> yes, it's important to understand, right? What is the nuance behind these numbers? Yeah. You know, it's also the same way of looking at, you know, you can look at a median, for example, MCAT, and you could take that as perspective of, oh, if I don't have that MCAT score, I must not be competitive for that school. It's really easy for yeah. students to jump to that conclusion. I see my students it's, all it's the lazy. time kind of 
falling into that trap. Um, but what it really means is that half of the students that go to that school right now have a score that is lower than that median list. As Dr. Graham mentioned, we're going to be looking at means because that's just how the AMC reports it. But um, the medians for individual schools, right, that you're looking at as well. Um, right. We have to remember, what does that actually mean? It's just the central tendency of yeah. the data. Half the students are below, half the students are above, right? So those students that are below that median, right, well, there must have been something else about those students that made the school interested in them, right? So we can't say, oh, well, if you're not at the mean, then you're not good enough. Because yeah. if that was true, it wouldn't be the mean. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. All right. So back back to this is table A16 from the AAMC. Um, they mm -hmm. thankfully provide or grac graciously provide um, <laughs> data over the course of five years here. So we can mm -hmm. start to see some trends. And these are applicants. And we'll look at matriculants next. And, and we can see here, we'll look at total, right? For 2018-19 was 505.6. And 2020 to uh, 2022 to 2023 is a 506.5. So it went up 0.9, 0.9 points for mm -hmm. all applicants. And it's interesting to see that trend because I, I believe over a very similar time period, the average MCAT score for everyone, not applicants included, went up like a point and a half. So mm -hmm. I think there's still a lot of people taking the MCAT who are probably scoring lower than this 506.5 and just not sure. applying. And they're, they're like, I don't want to apply with this score. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yep. our students who are doing a retake. Yeah. Mm -hmm. what, what are your thoughts with this data here, uh, MCAT-wise? Yeah, I think, um, you know, it, it kind of uh, speaks in a way, like, like you said, to the way that students are kind of filtering themselves, right? If student, if you're taking the MCAT, you must be interested in some way in going to medical school. At least I really, really hope so if you're going through all the effort to take the MCAT. So, right, there's all, you know, there's a lot of students, for example, you know, with a, you know, maybe a 490 something who are making the decision not to apply, right? And so we can have all sorts of, you know, discussions in terms of for any individual student, right? What is the right choice? Should you wait to apply? Should you try to retake, uh, right? So that's just to saying something about the people who want to go to medical school and think it's worth their time applying tend to have around this score. But I think where it gets really interesting is when we look at how that differs from our matriculant data. Yeah, yeah. So let's look at matriculant data and then... Uh, we can also look at GPA data, but since this is the MCAT podcast, we, we're just talking mm -hmm. about MCAT stuff. Mm -hmm. You guys obviously can see on the screen the GPA data. So here's the matriculant data, and this is where mm -hmm. students start to get a little bit scared, <laughs> is, <laughs> is they see this average mm -hmm. MCAT score for people who matriculated, which means started, they started medical school, is a 511.9. And it hasn't gone up a ton, 511.2 to 511.9 over this five-year period. Oh. It went up 0.7 compared to the 0.9 that uh, all applicants went up. What, what do you what do you see here? 
Yeah, I think, well, I, I said, for me, as someone, like I said, who teaches MCAT, who presents these numbers at the start of my class to students, um, and by the way, a lot of students don't know these numbers. Yeah. Um, so if you are here and you are listening, um, that's a really good, it's this a really great start, right? Because you don't know where you are until you look at some of this data, right? And you look at the data, more importantly, for the specific schools you're interested in as well. Um, but the other thing like I said that I personally see with that 511 7.9 is the number that's right under it. And that's the standard deviation, right? Mm. So once again, it's easy, which I believe was a 6.7. Yes. Yep. Right. So once again, it's really easy to look at that 511.9 and be like, oh, well, I must, you know, I must have a 512 or I don't have a chance. Yeah. That is simply not accurate, right? If you go one standard deviation in each direction, I forget, um, right? So below the, below our median and above our median, Right. We could do I'd have to double check what the exact percentages is. Right. But think about how what percent of applicants, a pretty decent percent yeah. right, has anywhere from roughly. So if we like subtract off six points, right, anywhere roughly from like a 505 to a 512, that is a big percentage of applicants who are getting accepted to medical school. I said so. Yeah. You know, these and that, that standard are, deviation is plus and minus. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And so. When we look at these numbers, right, once again, it's about the context. It's about what are your goals. If you just want basic, you know, what MCAT score should I get? No other context I am in other than you are interested in MD schools. Sure, 512 is an easy answer because you'd say, well, that's the average for people who do what you're interested in doing. But there's so much more to the discussion. Yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. so um, I'm trying to see... Uh, standard deviation, the exact definition so that we don't screw it up. Uh, I'm trying to see, is is standard deviation, it's been so long since I've taken stats and all that fun stuff. Is it always the same, like 10th, yeah. 20th? Yes. Yeah, so for so for people who might not know or haven't taken a statistics class, in my um, very elementary, we're not going to go into like, the <laughs> map of standard deviation here, um, but your standard deviation refers to the spread of your data, okay? Yep. So let's say our standard deviation was one point, okay? That would mean that the vast, vast majority of students would be within two standard deviations of the mean. About, I believe, off the top of my head, around 95% of your data, if you have a normal distribution, yep. um, will be within two standard deviations standard deviations of the mean, right? And if we look at our data for the MCAT, yeah, there we go. This is just a a standard bell curve showing standard deviation. So Mm -hmm. um, again, I don't know if this math is is always the same. This is what, Mm -hmm. 68.2. And then you can see that standard deviation, this this one uh, above and below. Mm-hmm. Um, looking at that. So this is just a Wikipedia image, not not from the MCAT or the WMC. Yeah, exactly. Right. And so we know, like I said, if we look at MCAT data, right, we are approximately, we can approximately fit that to a normal distribution, right? It's going to form this bell curve, right, where the majority of students have a certain score, right? And yep. then we have people going off to either side. So earlier when I was saying, hey, if the standard, if, the, if our average score is a 511.9, and your standard deviation is 6.7. According to the graph we just looked at, I was going to say 33%. I was close. It was 34. I didn't want to ballpark it and get it wrong. Working on my, so it's been a few years since I took my, my stats course personally. But that means that 34% of students who matriculate to an MD school in the U.S. have between-ish a 505 and a 512. Yeah. Right? That's a, that's so a lot of people. Students, 
That's a lot of people, yeah. right? So I see a lot of students, right, who are panicking, right, because they have a 505, they have a 506, they have a 508, yep. right, and thinking that that's not good enough. Now, is better always better? Yes. <laughs> always. Better. better is always better, right? A higher score is always going to do better for you. But right, when we talk about, you know, the perfect, there's perfect, and then there's good enough, right? Yeah. And these things are not the same. And 34% of students who are getting into medical school have a score in that range. So I think a lot of students, I think a lot of students count them out. They count, them, count themselves out of the game too quickly yeah. when they need to zoom out as well and think about, okay, what is their GPA? What are their, is there any trends in that, right? Have they done a post-bac or a special master's program? What are their extracurriculars, right? Did they have, what are their life story, right? Did something really like a very insane or tragic life event happened like while you were studying for the MCAT. You know, there's so much more out there than just what is your score. Yep, definitely. Um, let's look at the TMDSAS data. And, and what we'll find here, I, I love TMDS's uh, chart here. <laughs> um, what we'll find is it's, the numbers are very, very similar to uh, AMCAS. And so you can see the average MCAT is 506.8. We saw on the AMC data is 506.5. If we look mm -hmm. at just matriculated people to, to have the same comparison, 511.7 versus the 511.9. So very, very, very similar data. The one thing that I love about TMDSAS here is that it allows us to do interviewed 511.1, so a little bit lower. Uh, standard deviation, my my head is blocking here. Let me switch over. Standard deviation, <laughs> about the same, 6.7. Uh, mm -hmm. They have accepted data, so not just matriculated data. So accepted data, 511.8, 6.5, standard deviation. And then matriculated, 511.7, 6.1, deviation. So deviation is a little bit lower there for mm -hmm. matriculated. So about the same numbers, which is... Uh, understandable i think mm -hmm. I, and, and i'm not sure why right we mm -hmm. we can hypothesize all we want but the majority of tmdss tmdsas schools are md schools and so it it kind of goes to reason <laughs> that it matches very similarly to the md only application of mm -hmm. amcas but then we get to a comus and now we can start to see really big differences here. And I want to preface right off the bat, right? We can't make conclusions based on this data and say, oh, mm -hmm. it's easier to get into a DO school. I haven't run the numbers in a while, but last time I looked at the numbers was a couple of years ago. And, and mathematically, it was harder to get into a DO school based on number of acceptances and number of applications, right? Just the acceptance ah. rate was lower. Um, mm -hmm. Historically, what we have found, uh, for, for those who need a little history lesson on, on the DO world, the mm -hmm. DO application used to do grade replacement. They used to say, hey, if you got a D and you retook, Good times. Good you times. retook that class <laughs> and you got an A, we're going to completely ignore the D. We're going to only mathematically include the A. Now, that has changed as of like four years ago, five years ago now. Um, some lawyers obviously got involved and said, yeah, this is this is not okay that you do this. Um, <laughs> but what I think that says is that historically, DO schools are like, hey, 
we're the land of second chances. We're the land of misfits and whatever the, <laughs> whatever that that saying is, right? The, the 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 people who maybe aren't the prototypical. I've always done well in school. I'm a great test taker. I have plenty of money to spend on on test prep and and tutors and all that stuff. And let me let me show you how good I am. The Dio world has been, hey, we don't care if you have a 99th percentile MCAT score. What's your story? Who are you? And obviously, MD schools care about that kind of stuff as well. Mm-hmm. But the numbers just are different. Yeah. It's going to so, end up being straight. Yeah. <laughs> and so we see here that based on this data, and I'll, I'll zoom in just to help a little bit because this number is a little bit smaller. Um, this is on the on this right side here, or left side rather, is applicants. So they have applicants on the left, matriculants on the right. We can see an average 502.8, right? And so we saw the average for AMCAS and, a coma, or, and TMDSAS very similarly around 506.5. So we have a 502.8, a couple points lower. The big difference, the big difference that we see here is that matriculated students are not much higher at 504.6. Standard deviation, five. What are your thoughts there, Nicole? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, like I said, I think once again, it is very interesting to kind of look in such detail in terms of, like I said, once again, the difference between even just the people who apply and the people who actually get accepted, right? And I think it's it says something as well about MD schools, right, that a lot of students, even if they may have low stats on average, for the schools that they're applying to, right, that a lot of students may try to apply to MD schools, knowing that, right, that they're not as, that they're not super confident about getting into those schools, right? Not that anybody can be ever super confident about getting into any medical school, no matter what your stats are, right? If you look at the acceptance, acceptance rates, right, for any school in the country, they're all very, very low, right? So it's not, there's no, Um, you know, safety school, like those conversations are just not relevant for, for medical school. And if you try to pretend that you have a safety school, um, you're probably going to get a rude awakening when some of those schools might reject you, right? For other reasons. Um, Doesn't mean that you're a bad student, right? Or that you didn't have great stats for that school. If you can't, um, for people who are just listening to the podcast, there was aggressive quotation marks around <laughs> that here. Um, Those are some yeah, of the like most crazy. aggressive quotation marks I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, like, so I think it's, like I said, interesting looking at the DO statistics. They like said, obviously, they're lower than the Indeed. This is not a secret. This is not news. Yep. Um, but like I said, I think it's interesting seeing that the people who apply DO as well, that there is less of a spread in terms of the MCAT scores of the students who end up yeah. getting accepted and then matriculating into those schools, which I think speaks to what Dr. Gray was saying, right? So, okay, well, if they tend to have quite similar MCAT scores, mm-hmm. um, you know, at least comparatively to MD matriculants, it speaks even more so, right, to the importance of, okay, well, then what is the what are those applicants' stories, right? What is the story behind that GPA, behind their extracurriculars, behind, you know, just what they have, those individuals have experienced, which yeah. I think is, I think it's I, very, very interesting. I don't know if I've seen this yeah. uh, chart mm-hmm. before, um, or, or this table before, rather, so this mm-hmm. is not a chart, <laughs> this is a table. <laughs> Um, I love that uh, Acomas gives us this information. 
what are the mm-hmm. the ranges of students applying here? Mm-hmm. And and the AAMC does provide a similar ish chart in terms of their GPA and uh, MCAT grid. The what I'm sh- I'm showing here for people who are just listening is hey this is the score range of applicants versus matriculants. So mm-hmm. we have 302 people applying with a 519 or higher. We have 2084 513 to 518 and so on and so forth, right? And we can we can see the the bell curve basically in numbers. Um, <laughs> yes. uh, of of what's going on here with the most being that 501 to 506 range which is right around that average and standard deviation uh, of of what we're seeing um, average matriculants. And then we can see from a matriculation standpoint, the majority of students are matriculating with that 501 to 506, which shocker, right? Kind of right mm-hmm. in the middle of that average 504 um, number. And so it's not surprising, but I really like the ability to see, hey, 26 people here got in, with a 483 to a 488. Like, yeah. obviously, the MCAT was a huge barrier for them. And they had something else in their application that gave medical schools some some confidence that they were going to do okay. Yeah. Right. And, and so that's a, a really good number. So this is the 2021 ACOMAS applicant matriculant profile. So if you just Google something like that, you'll you'll find it. Um, so... That's that's the data. Um, and again, we we can't look at that data and go, okay, I need a 511.9 to get in. That's, mm-hmm. that's just not what the data shows, right? And you rightfully brought up, and, mm-hmm. and shame on me, I never talk about the standard deviation, right? I just go, hey, it's a 511.9, right? That's the average. <laughs> um, and that standard deviation is a powerful number to understand mm-hmm. to, 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 I hope, give students a little bit of relief to go, oh, a big chunk of these people are that 505-ish and wow. and up. A big chunk. <laughs> a big chunk, right. So so I think hopefully, mm-hmm. hopefully looking at this data and and talking about it in some sort of a, a professional uh, mathematical way here will yeah. hopefully give a lot of people some confidence, especially on the tail end of this, uh-oh, I didn't get what I wanted series to go, oh, what I wanted isn't really necessary right it's great as you mentioned as i always talk about right a higher mcat score will never hurt you um and so Mm -hmm. a better score always helps shoot for the moon we're not telling you to to just be lackadaisical Mm -hmm. about what you're hoping to get and you don't need a 511.9 you don't need a 510 you don't need what this one pre-health office says a 514 or else we're not going to write you a committee letter right yeah Yeah. And I think, um, right. This also like, it starts to bring up, okay, right. The conversation changes, right. Depending on who's listening, right. If I'm talking to a first year student, you know, coming into college, I'm lucky I get to mentor a lot of different students at my own university. And the conversations that I have with a first year student are very different than the conversation I'm going to have with somebody who is interested in applying this cycle, right? Because like Dr. Gray is saying, for that student who is in whatever sense, right, is early on in their journey, right, maybe they still have a the vast majority of their classes to still take that are going to contribute to their GPA. They haven't even thought like they're studying for the MCAT next year, right? Like it's not even on the early horizon for that student yet, right? Then yes, of course, great. Shoot for that 520, shoot for that 528. 
um, right? Do the absolute best you can. But if you get to the point, right, where maybe you've taken the MCAT once and you know you gave it your all, you really studied hard, right? You have a lot of things going on in your life. Maybe you're a non-traditional student, right? And there's a lot of other obligations that like you're just never going to magically snap your fingers and make those things disappeared. And you gave it your all and you got a 507, right? That 507 is not any sort of like death sentence to your like to your application here. Right now, if you're a student who you know, maybe got that 507, but we're doing better on practice tests, or maybe you weren't studying with the right resources. And then afterwards you and listen to the MCAT podcast and you suddenly realize, oh my goodness, like I should have been focusing on practice questions. I wasn't doing my tests and testing conditions. Then great. If you have the time and resources to do a retake on that exam, amazing. Try to do better. But for those students that have given it their all, right, that maybe are dealing with a lot of other items on their plate and have a score, right, that's still good. That's still a good score by any measure, right? But for this is for those students that are nervous, right, about that, you know, about that, even that 504, right, that 507, that 510, but it's not a 512, right? <laughs> 510 is great. 510 great for so many people that go to medical school yeah. got a 510, um, I said, so it's, you know, for like I said, for those of you that are still early on, like, yes, keep pushing, like keep shooting better is always better. But if you're at a point where you're like, I think this is like what I'm going to have, right? Try to build as much confidence as you can in that going forwards. All right. So there you have it. Hopefully this helps you learn how to understand this information a little bit more, right? Do you have to have a 511.9 to get into med school? No, you don't. Do you have to have a 520 to get into med school? No, you don't, right? So um, obviously a higher MCAT score always helps, but what does the data actually show? Hope you have a great week. We'll see you next time here on the MCAT podcast. This is MedEd Media.